Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and as always, so delighted that you've been able to join us this Saturday morning. Now, I've got some some good news for you this week concerning the show. I'm always welcoming you to the show here in the morning because, of course, you can find us uh, right here on WRWH 93.9 FM every Saturday at 10 a.m. However, you know that sometimes on Saturdays, the Georgia Bulldogs decide to play an early game. And that means all of the the pre-talk, the pre-game show uh, usually takes our spot on those early game days. However, the folks here at WRWH, we're going to be airing New Southern Garden on Saturday evening at 8 p.m. as well. So even if, folks, even if we get bumped, uh, <laughs> bumped on Saturday morning because of the, the ball game, no worries. You can find us here on Saturday night at 8 o'clock in the evening. You know, to me, every day and every hour of the day is a great time to garden. You know, once it starts getting dark, it's a little difficult. <laughs> but if... On a Saturday morning, you get out there in the landscape and you start digging away, getting your hands dirty, putting in new plants, shrubs, perennials, blooming plants. If you're out there tending to your landscape on Saturday morning, well, you can join us in the evening on Saturday, 8 p.m. to learn, listen, maybe find some inspiration for more gardening in your landscape. So that's some great news that uh, even though it is kind of sad on the days when, yeah, look, folks, I'm a Georgia Bulldogs fan. I mean, I studied horticulture at the University of Georgia, but it's sort of discouraging sometimes when we don't get to have our Saturday morning talks, but that's okay. We'll just have uh, evening talks instead. So it'll always be repeated at 8 p.m. going forward uh, for a while. So be sure that even if, you can't wake up, can't crawl out of bed early enough on Saturday because the week was too rough. You can stay up in the evening and join us for New Southern Garden. Folks, we've got a big show for you today because I have continued uh, to get some requests from folks at the nursery and some listeners about fall-blooming perennials. Now, a few weeks ago, if you had joined us, uh, hopefully you had taken some notes on some wonderful fall-blooming perennials uh, that we had discussed but there's plenty more. There's plenty more. Now, I talked about many perennials that bloom in the fall that you can probably find pretty readily. However, today I'm going to introduce you to some more fall blooming perennials. Many of these the deer are not going to care for. That's the, the greatest thing. Um, but of course, fall blooming perennials have been blooming and some are just starting to bud out and some will be able to continue even if we have just a bit of frosty nights. So um, I thought, you know, there was an individual at the nursery who 
came around and she comes a great customer. She, she shows up, uh, seasonally and, and many times throughout the year. And she's, you know, I've really been working on my landscape and my perennial beds and borders. Uh, we've got some great things that are blooming in the spring and summer. She grows dahlias and some other things. Uh, but she said, I really have not thought much about the fall, so I need some fall things. And I showed her around the nursery. Of course, you can find me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, throughout the week. And we were looking at ornamental grasses, and then we went to the greenhouses where we've got... Uh, several things that were about to bloom or had just started blooming and she said well I don't have my truck today <laughs> but on the weekend I'm going to take the truck from the husband and come fill it up with plants and I said that is a wonderful idea she's got a nice um, picket fence where she's growing sort of a cottage style garden and she needs some things that are going to be blooming to carry us through the fall as we approach winter. And maybe you find yourself in that position. Maybe you're looking around your landscape saying, well, the hydrangeas, they've been long gone. Uh, the, the annuals like my petunias and, and begonias, they're, they're going to be freezing out soon once we get some frosty weather. And maybe you're thinking, well, I need something uh, that looks good this time of year. So again, today we are going to talk about some fall blooming perennials uh, and some, some plants that even though throughout the spring and summer they're not doing much, they're growing, they're putting out new stems, putting out new leaves, these plants really shine with their blossoms later in the growing season and that's approaching folks that is coming upon us of course we are feeling and have felt for for many well a couple of weeks now at least sort of been in fluctuation uh but those cool mornings and cool evenings and of course the days will soon to be follow we should have some nice days of course it's also been dry it's been quite dry i know in uh where i garden in east hall county that it's not really not really that much rain we've had rain maybe a month ago and that's been it so there's a lot of things in the landscape that aren't looking so great because they are so dry they are thirsty but we're going to change all that today because these are some plants we're going to talk about today uh, these plants will be showing off and doing their thing uh, either starting now maybe a little earlier than now and continuing until it gets pretty cold so with all that being said um the last program we talked about some fall blooming perennials, I did mention, of course, anemone, the Japanese anemones. Now, there are anemones that bloom in the spring, and they tend to want to be in the shade, but the anemones uh, for fall usually can handle sun to part sun maybe part shade. They can handle a good bit of direct sunlight all summer long as they expand their reaches uh, as they creep and crawl along the the mulch on the ground and then of course they send up these tall wiry stems with these very I like to say they're delicate maybe they look delicate because the petals are kind of thin and uh, there are some doubles so the 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 blossom is very blousy uh, but regardless those flowers on the Japanese anemones uh, stand up on these tall wiry stems I think that's why I would call them so dainty uh, but in many cases they maybe have uh, eight petals and a strong yellow center with all those uh, stamens sticking out really a good contrast you can find those in whites and pinks um, 
uh, reds, sort of reds, but shades in between um, all of those. And like I said, they are creepers and crawlers. Uh, so I just thought I'd reiterate some of the things we've talked about a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about fall blooming perennials and anemone. It's definitely one of those. Now they tend to reseed uh, unless you have sort of a sterile hybrid. You may have some babies popping up over the years. But in my opinion, this plant is so, um, so beautiful, dainty. And of course, it blooms when not much else is. That having a few extra plants in the landscape, popping those babies out and moving them around into other garden beds is really a true joy, really a true joy. Then um, we did mention asters. Now, there are plenty of asters out there. Uh, there are, right, right now at the nursery, we got one showing off called Purple Dome Aster. It's a New England aster. There's New England aster, and, uh, New York aster. There's so many different asters. Many of these are native asters as well. And so with that in mind, they've been taking all of these different asters, crossing them and breeding them, and they're getting many shades of flowers now. We can find whites and um, pinks and purples, uh, dark purples to pale lavender purples, nearly blues. I just found one uh, at a plant show we were at. A uh, grower had some great asters. They were a New England aster. And um, it was called Peter the Third, I believe. Peter the Third. So, of course, it was an impulse buy. I didn't know much about it. But once I looked it up, it's a great perennial. And uh, they've got a nice, nearly sky blue color. So be on the lookout for asters as well because they are plants that just hang out in our gardens with green foliage and stems. And of course, they're not doing much in the spring, not doing much in the summer as far as flowers go. But once we get into this later part of summer, pushing in to autumn, they really stand out. And the same with chrysanthemums. Now, you do think of probably those mums in pots that are pruned into these round dome shapes uh, that we love to stick on the front of our porches or patios or maybe plant them directly into the ground because they are a nice fall-blooming uh, plant. And many of those mums can be, uh, chrysanthemums can be treated as perennials, meaning they will come back year after year. As a matter of fact, we planted one of those just standard. It was actually a, a red flowering mum uh, was in a pot and one of the uh, co-workers at the nursery one of the crew members decided uh, it was sort of struggling, didn't look so hot at the end of the season, so they popped it in the ground in a bed. And now for three years, at least three years, this mum has returned, kept a beautiful shape. We don't touch it. We rarely trim it. We only trim it back if there's some, you know, dead foliage. And it is in full bloom right now. And it was one of those mums, the potted mums you just put out for fall. Many people trash them <laughs> when they're done blooming because they, they don't continue to bloom, of course, through winter. Uh, but instead of just throwing those chrysanthemums away, uh, you might as well go ahead and pop them in uh, in between some other perennials. Because uh, if you put them in the landscape, you'll find that they'll be blooming for you late in the summer and uh, parts of, of fall. So that's chrysanthemum. Now, I did mention uh, another mum. We just call it the garden mum at the nursery. Uh, but its botanical name is dendranthemum. 
So you've got chrysanthemum and dendranthemum. Now, the dendranthemums are much taller. They're quite robust plants. They creep and crawl left and right, make big uh, mats of, of foliage. Then they sort of hang out near the ground all summer. But this time of year, and they're doing it for us at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, they are popping their little stems up, and they've got flushes, flushes of, of buds. And those buds, some are cracking open, showing beautiful pinks and, and yellows, and some are still nice and tight. But they will pretty much bloom for the rest of this month. So that's Dendranthemum. Uh, there's a couple of great varieties called Ryan's Pink and Ryan's Yellow. Those are the two that we like at the nursery, and I think that you'll like them in your landscape. Now, uh, I'll take a moment to pause and say many of these perennials, these fall-blooming perennials that we've already talked about, the uh, the um, uh, asters and the chrysanthemums, dendranthemums, all of these mums, now they tend to get tall and leggy, and when they bloom, they tend to get floppy. But while they're growing over summer, if you will just chop them back several times throughout the summer, let them grow maybe uh, tw up to 12, 18, 24 inches tall, chop them in half, let them do that again, chop them in half again. Uh, you can start all of that in June, but if you do that in June and maybe uh, another time or two before they bloom, you will find that they increase their branch number their density gets thick and full. It keeps them a bit shorter, and so they don't have that flopping problem. With many of these late-blooming perennials, uh, if they start to get tall and leggy in the summer, as long as you have about six weeks before the fall, you can chop them in half. That will keep them shorter, and of course, and of course, uh, it will also allow them to rebloom and bloom more prolifically. They'll be setting a lot more buds, which is great because that's what we want to see in the landscape, as many blooms as possible, don't we? So those are some of the things we had talked about, and I thought I'd just revisit them. But some of the things that I haven't mentioned yet that maybe we've talked about here and there throughout the uh, show uh, over the past few years. I thought I'd collect most of the great fall blooming ones uh, right here on today's program. Uh, the next plant I want to talk about is called sneezeweed. Now, I remember when we uh, started a gardening program here on WRWH, we were calling it Let's Get Growing. <laughs> and we had a, a special plant of the week, a little profile uh, for for every show we had. And sneezeweed was one of those plants because it's a great native plant. And of course, uh, it gets its name uh, particularly because people thought that if you sniffed it, like particularly the leaves and maybe even the flower, that it would cause you to sneeze. Uh, it's not necessarily the case. It doesn't really cause any allergies uh, like ragweed does. And I hate that we even call it a weed, sneezeweed, because it's a great garden perennial. Now, sneezeweed is found growing natively in our meadows across the United States. So they like the, the sunny sites. They like those harsh conditions. If you have a... Um, a great garden soil they'll have no problem but they do like moist soil and in the south with our clay soil sometimes we need a plant that can handle wet to moist soil they don't mind it even if it's poorly drained so if you've got an area like that you do want to look into sneezeweed and when we get back from this break i'll tell you more about this wonderful native fall blooming plant called sneezeweed hang on tight
Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our contact us page. It's never fun gardening alone. So get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. We were talking about a plant that unfortunately, well, it has an unfortunate name, I should say. <laughs> we were talking about a great blooming perennial native plant called sneezeweed. And it's probably the name, sneezeweed, that has made this plant maybe not extremely popular in the landscape. People used to believe that maybe it causes hay fever. does not. It does not. As a matter of fact, um... The Native Americans would use, they would use the dried petals of sneezeweed to prevent hay fever. Now, the botanical name is a little nicer. It's called Helenium, Helenium, and it is named after Helen of Troy. Of course, a fair flower in her own right, as scholars may say. But uh, Helenium is its botanical name and does sound a lot better than sneezeweed, don't you agree? But regardless, they have daisy-like flowers. Uh, they have dark centers that tend to be in the reds, um, well, pushing red, sometimes black. Then they sort of look like a cross between a black-eyed Susan and a Coreopsis. The flower petal does not come to a point. It sort of comes to a flat edge that is ruffled, and it is really nice. Now, there are many Heleniums that are hybrids, uh, but they're easy to see because when they're blooming, you can definitely tell that this is a Helenium or sneezeweed flower. The petals tend to, as they open, they tend to point downwards. So it makes sort of an arrow shape when you're looking at the profile or the side view of a Helenium sneezeweed flower. And they do come in the reds. They come in many autumnal, autumnal shades. Can I use that word? They sometimes will have some evidence of browns, oranges, and yellows. Um, and some of these heleniums can start blooming in the summer, and they'll continue to bloom through the fall. So, like I mentioned before, they're not really a picky plant. They do; they would rather be moist than dry, uh, which can be difficult in the south. But if you have areas in your landscape that stay wet because maybe of poor compaction, um, poor aeration, I should say, or some compaction. Of course, if uh, you sort of have an almost boggy but sunny area, heleniums don't mind poorly drained soils, and they can be wonderful. They, of course, uh, will send those leaves and stems into the hot blazing sun. Just be sure to mulch them well because they would like to have cooler roots, which, to be honest, folks, if we kept most of our plants' roots cool by using uh, organic matter like mulch and whatnot on the ground around them, 
Most plants would <laughs> look a lot better anyhow. So they do start to come out of the ground in the spring, and you can pinch those stems back as they're growing, like I mentioned uh, in last segment, because you do want them to stay fairly compact, and the pinching, regular pinching of these plants encourages more branches, and more branches encourages more uh, blooms, and that's what we're looking for. Helleniums or sneezeweed has rarely few problems, especially if you uh, sort of divide them regularly. Every few years, maybe every third year, you can divide a clump of helenium and spread it around your garden, or you can uh, send it to friends and neighbors, and they will benefit from that, and they should last uh, for a very long time in the landscape. Now, um, there are plenty, like I sort of alluded to, plenty of hybrids, plenty of selections of cultivars that give you a variety of petal color and maybe plant form. Uh, but generally, they're sort of a nice clump, a nice dome shape, uh, maybe rising taller in the center when they're blooming and a little lower on the edges. So they're easily viewed from any angle, and they can sort of be a mid-range plant. They're not necessarily a ground cover that you'd put on the edge of the border, but you could put these about in the middle, and with some of the more robust varieties, you could surely try them on the backside of the border as well. Very versatile, uh, very sweet, very delicate. Don't worry, don't worry about uh, sneezing when you plant sneezeweed. They will not cause you to have hay fever. Now, everybody probably is familiar with the word sunflower. Sunflowers, what we generally think of with sunflowers is sunflower seeds, right? Tasty treats, some, sometimes salted, sometimes coated with flavoring like barbecue and ranch. They've got all kinds of sunflower seeds you can consume and eat as a snack. And of course, you have probably, if you have gardened for any amount of time, at least tried to plant some sunflower seeds to get those very tall, upright, and robust flowers. Of course, there's that one sunflower uh, called mammoth. Mammoth is a tall sunflower, at least 12 foot tall, and the blooms might be 12 inches around, maybe bigger. These aren't the kinds of sunflowers that I want to talk about next. The kinds of sunflowers I want to talk about are perennial sunflowers. They are in the um, sunflower group called Helianthus. What a wonderful botanical name for us to learn, I guess. They're all in the Helianthus group, but some sunflowers are annuals. Those are what we usually see in sunflower fields. They usually have much larger, maybe you could even debate that they're showier flowers, but they have very big centers where those big sunflower seeds are formed. Well, those die down, of course. They're a favorite. They're a favorite in the garden. Of course, people paint them, take pictures of them. Van Gogh has some beautiful paintings of those sunflowers. But the other group of sunflowers are the perennial types, and that's the kind we want to talk about today because these perennial type sunflowers usually bloom uh, as early as late summer, but then definitely push us into the fall. Now, just like sunflower, these can become quite tall. Um, however, they may only spread about two to three feet depending on the variety of perennial sunflower you're using. I do want to mention that there is a wonderful native helianthus sunflower, perennial sunflower, that we call swamp sunflower. Now, 
it can grow in very wet soil, but it doesn't have to. If you have a pond, a water feature where there may be a lot of standing water, excess water, or just low draining, poor draining soil, you can plant swamp sunflower there and they will be magnificent. Now, they can handle full sun, but in full sun, they will get quite tall and robust. They will definitely, in one season, become uh, taller than the height of a person, probably taller than five or six feet in the full sun. But they can also handle some shade, and if you plant them along the edge of a woodland, uh, right up uh, underneath the canopy of trees, sort of out on the drip line of those trees, you will find that that plant stays a bit shorter, maybe only reaching about four foot tall. So being sure uh, to Put these in a spot that makes sense to you. If you've got plenty of room for them to climb into the air in full sun, you can plant these. Now, the perennial sunflowers don't just have like one main stalk like the annual sunflowers we would normally see. These usually are clump. They have many stems that come out of that clump. And from the stem, they have many branches. Uh, as the plant branches off even further, of course, you'll have blooms on every tip. So it's important, just like with some of these other fall bloomers, to be sure that we are trimming these sunflowers back maybe one or two times over the summer so we get a denser, tighter plant that's going to be full of blooms. Now, most of these flowering sunflower, uh, sorry, flowering sunflowers, most of these fall blooming sunflowers are going to be in the yellows. Yellow is the main color. Sometimes you can find uh, a double sunflower. There's a hybrid called Laden Gold, which has many petals, many petals uh, as part of the stem, not just one, not just one layer of petals. So be sure if you're, if it's not, you may not find this one very often in, uh, landscape, garden centers, and, and, and nurseries. But if you happen to come across a helianthus, a sunflower that is perennial, you will enjoy that plant for many years. They're long-lived, and like I said, they're quite robust. That swamp sunflower that I mentioned uh, earlier has these very thin uh, kind of uh, pencil-shaped leaves, just long and narrow. And so they provide a great texture in the summer, uh, starting in spring when they first pop up, they provide a great finer texture to some of your other garden plants, even though they won't be blooming until about this time of year. But as a matter of fact, that uh, swamp sunflower that we uh, used to grow at the nursery was a, a great plant, and it would start blooming in the summer, looking really hot. We would trim it back. It would rebound with more blooms, and the more we trimmed it, the more it bloomed, and it was one of the last plants to drop petals in the fall. So don't forget about perennial sunflowers. They're different than the annuals, but they are great in their own right. When we get back, more fall-blooming perennials for your landscape. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. So gang, today on New Southern Garden, 
we are talking even more about fall blooming perennials. Uh, I've had a lot of requests from folks at the nursery, and, and some of you have written in. Uh, of course, a few weeks ago, we talked about some fall-blooming perennials that you might find commonly, but I thought today we would give you some more options. Some of these plants may not be easy to find or locate. doesn't mean that you can't find a mail-order or online nursery to purchase them from, uh, but they are some great plants that are going to be blooming in the latter part of summer and, of course, on into fall. It's a strange time of year to be uh, trying to do things in the landscape because, you know, the hydrangeas have done their thing. The foxgloves are long gone. Maybe you still have your annual, summer annuals blooming, like petunias, begonias. But what are you supposed to do now? Do you just go and plant a bunch of pansies that are going to bloom uh, in the fall and through winter? Do you, you plant snapdragons? Those are great choices, of course, but... If you're looking for something that is going to return year after year and still give you some pizzazz, give you some hot color in the landscape this time of year, then maybe trying some fall-blooming perennials is a good way to go. The next plant I want to talk about today is a plant that I came across years ago before I even knew what it was, before I really knew much about plants and I thought it was just the most gorgeous plant. It looks a lot like a snapdragon flower. Tubular flowers all clustered together like little bells hanging off the stem. And I found out later that this plant is called obedient plant. Or botanically speaking, it's called physostegia. Great name, trust me. Physostegia. But it's really a native plant. That The only obedient plant that we use in most gardens is going to be a native american plant native here to the southeast and other parts of north america so let's talk a little bit about this plant this plant grows straight up and down it sends stems that go straight up into the air they're sort of square stems you want to keep that in mind too and they have these mm, lance shaped lanced shaped leaves so long and linear and sort of uh, comes to a point uh, they're quite dark green um, however it does grow in clumps which is good because if it didn't grow in clumps it probably would not be as impressive as it is an individual stem of obedient plant is not necessarily that outstanding but when it's clumped together and when all of those stems are blooming in pinks and whites and maybe some shades of purples you really have a great impression. So, with that being said, it's not very difficult to grow, which may be why it's called obedient plant, because it can handle rich or poor soil and wet or dry soil. However, if it's going to grow in the sun, be sure to make sure it sort of stays on the moist side. If it grows towards the sort of shady sites, it's okay if it gets a little drier. But if you have a very dry soil and very full sun, you might find that you'll be watering that plant to keep it looking perky. Now, um, the thing about obedient plant is that it probably does have a bad name. I don't know if we should call it obedient plant or not because it does spread and it does creep. And sometimes uh, the seeds will germinate and make new babies. <laughs> so to say that it's obedient is sort of uh, uh, not a great description. Uh, 
With that being said, if you stay on it at a young age and put your heel to it before it escapes where you want it to stay, then it can be a very great plant. One of the cool things... One of the cool things about this plant is that, of course, like I mentioned, you have these tall stems that go into the air, and right on the tip of the stem is is a long set of blooming petals. And they do sort of resemble uh, a foxglove in a way. They're not as large of a petal as foxglove, but they are clustered together like foxglove. So anyhow, you can take these individual tubular flowers and you can move them. You can push those flowers to the left, you can push them to the right, and they'll stay put. Now, this is not something you have to do, it's just something fun, maybe to show the kids. So, whereas most plants, you push leaves or you push flowers and they push, they just dangle right back to where they were. These are sort of, it's almost like there's a wire uh, in their little petal stem and it will stick and hold in whatever position you want. So you can push them all to the same side like a foxglove's flower, or you can spin them around and make a spiral up the, the stalk, or you can do a double spiral if you like. Like I said, none of that is necessary to enjoy the beauty of this plant, but the fact that it can be, the petals, uh, flowers can be pushed into certain positions and they'll stay, maybe, just maybe, that's why we call it obedient plant. Regardless, you're going to find most of these flowers to be pinks and whites. You may have a plant that is um, so pushed to the pinks that it looks almost purple, but they're usually pink and white flowers uh, blossoms. Now, these also work great if you clump these with something like purple cone flower, maybe some monarda. All of those plants can check each other, keep each other in place. Monarda, as you know, bee balm, is a summer bloomer, uh, but she likes to spread and move and creep. And some folks consider her uh, aggressive, and she is. But if you put her near something like obedient plant that is equally aggressive, they will aggress against each other, if you will, <laughs> and sort of keep each other in check. So again, this plant, the obedient plant, is going to start blooming uh, in maybe midsummer and late summer, uh, or definitely early and into mid-fall. Those are some wonderful times of years to enjoy this plant. Now, like with many perennials, you can always deadhead and sort of encourage new stems with new blooms. Uh, you just got to stay on top of that. Sometimes deadheading is a lot of work, a lot of effort, but it does pay off because anytime we remove the spent flowers on a plant, it not only makes the garden look prettier maybe, but it also encourages the plant to put out more blooms, which is surely going to make your landscape look a lot prettier. Now, I believe uh, on our previous episode or show about um, fall blooming perennials, we mentioned sedums. And uh, I would like to reconsider that for you today because sedums or stone crops, these are those plants, there are hundreds of species. You can find sedums in the ground cover world that just spread with little leaves, little stems. They spread, creep, and crawl. You can find many upright sedums as well with bigger leaves, bigger stems, and big flowers. Something like Autumn Joy or Autumn Fire have been, been very popular in our southern gardens over the past 
decade or more, and I believe they'll continue to go that way. They are great plants for rock gardens. If you have a rock garden and you need something that blooms in the fall, late summer, be sure to check out the sedums, um, and they will just shine, and they will stand out because they can handle dry soil. They don't want to stay completely They don't want to stay completely moist uh, or wet, I should say. Moist is always okay, but they will handle uh, partly shady spots. We have a sedum that just popped up on its own under some trees at the nursery. I haven't moved it. I've just been watching it, and year after year, it has come back, done very well, and it gives a beautiful, a beautiful display of sort of red to pink flowers that's very hot this time of year. So, again... Stone crops or sedums, I think we already have discussed those at length a few weeks ago, but I would want to remind you that these can work very well in the landscape. Many of these sedums can also, like the ground cover kinds, they are essentially evergreens. So you can have the sedum foliage in the landscape all year. Now, remember, uh, foliage over winter is not going to look like spring but that foliage is there. It is present. And so it gives you a great showing, even though uh, a lot of other perennials have gone underground for the winter. Sedums, many of them, are ones, plants that are going to uh, be sure to stand out. The same goes with goldenrod or uh, solidago is its botanical name. But goldenrod is another great Native American plant that I believe we'd already discussed. But I wanted to remind you because they are showing off at the nursery right now. Now, most goldenrods, they get their name because uh, they have these long racemes and clusters of yellow flowers. So things are very bright and things are very beautiful. It's a great yellow, which gives us that autumn color. So if we have other plants in the garden, in the landscape that are blooming this time of year, like pinks and purples and the asters, be sure to use some of this yellow goldenrod uh, in the landscape with those plants. I was going to, my mind went somewhere else to remind you that goldenrod is not ragweed. Goldenrod is not ragweed. Ragweed is this definitely a weed that looks like a weed. It has flowers that bloom and cause us to have those allergies if you're allergic to ragweed. But the reason people think that goldenrod is the culprit is because they bloom about the same time and they may be very well growing in the same area. So if you walk by a group of goldenrod, you are only misidentifying that ragweed because these goldenrods are so gorgeous and so beautiful and you overlook the real problem which is the ragweed so goldenrod gets uh, from some some groups a bad name just because it's been misidentified as an allergic problem but it's not the goldenrod it is the ragweed the leaves are pretty too the leaves are pretty too they they're sort of a simple leaf uh, but they're toothed on the edges and they're lance shaped as well they're very long and linear with little teeth around the edges so very dark green very dark green and they will start as a basal plant they sort of hang out on the ground for the spring most of the summer they're growing left and right like they're spreading stems underground and above ground and creating a nice mat 
But it's not until later in the summer, and particularly right now, that they send up these tall spires with beautiful dark green foliage and just panicles, just tons of feathery yellow branching clusters of those bright yellow flowers. It can be really gorgeous. Now, of course, uh, we've been growing one in some some test beds, if you will, at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, where you can find me throughout the week in Flowery Branch, Georgia. We've grown a Solidago goldenrod that is called Fireworks. And of course, it's a great name because when they start opening, it is like a firework display. Bright yellows just popping out all over the tips of those plants. And it's really a, a stellar, stellar look. So don't forget about that native plant, goldenrod. It is a wonderful selection to put into your landscape. Now let's talk about daisies. Let's talk about daisies because, you know, Shasta daisy is a great garden plant. Shasta daisy is a great garden plant. Of course, it gives you that classic daisy flower. It's got a uh, white petals with a rich yellow center that really stands out, whether it's uh, with mixed with purples, other whites, uh, reds. It mixes well with oranges. It mixes well with almost any other color uh, that you could imagine. And of course, they're just that classic daisy look. However, they're mainly a spring bloomer. Like our Shasta daisies have stopped weeks ago blooming, and they're growing. Their, their leaves are green and gorgeous, but they aren't continuing that bloom into the fall. However, there are plenty other daisies, and one in particular, that gives you that classic green, uh, sorry, yellow center and white petals surrounding that yellow center uh, that is going to actually be blooming this time of year. I was just recently, maybe uh, over the course of three or four years ago, introduced to this daisy. Didn't know the first thing about it, but a customer actually brought me a small plant. We planted it out into the landscape at the nursery to see how it did. Folks, this daisy has performed well. And when we get back from this break, I'm going to tell you all about it and give you the name of this great fall-blooming daisy. Hang on tight. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. Well, gang, of course, that's my Eden Rose button. Give it a go. Give it a go. And today on New Southern Garden, Eden Rose is encouraging you to give fall-blooming perennials a go. We've been talking, we've talked about some fall-blooming perennials a couple of weeks ago, and I just continued to get requests and and some ideas. People want ideas of other fall-blooming perennials, so I thought, why not collect some that may be a little more unusual, maybe even harder to find? Just because they're harder to find does not mean that you shouldn't look for them. 
because if you come across seed catalogs, you can always grow some of many of these, most all, from seed quite easily. And of course, uh, mail order nurseries, the online nurseries. Since the in since the development, or I don't know, the introduction of the internet <laughs> in the '90s, the nursery industry has just boomed online. People looking and shopping for plants online and Doing it that way is is helpful. It's beneficial because you can have more selection and more variety, pulling plants from all over the nation, all over the world. Uh, you know, not one nursery can grow at all. But if you have access to these other nurseries around the nation, around the globe, then you have access to even more plants. And the strange and unusual plant, I call it strange and unusual because it is a fall-blooming daisy that I started talking about before the break. Uh, I was mentioning that a customer had given me just a small plant. He said, I got these from, oh, I can't remember where he got them from, but he said, uh, they're doing great in my place, and I thought maybe you'd want to give them a shot. So we did. We planted that uh, daisy in the ground, and it just sat there, and it grew and grew more stems. This was like in the spring and going into summer, and it got big, and it got this perfect, without our help, a perfect dome shape. And then it stopped stopped growing, had this perfect dome shape. And I noticed as we got into the later part of summer and into fall that there were buds right on the tip, right on the tip, fattening buds. So it waits all year to bloom, but it starts blooming that classic yellow center, white petals around the center uh, in the fall, particularly maybe late summer, but they're still going now. And folks, these daisies, they're called the Montauk. Montauk daisy. Montauk daisy, I had never heard of it. I have researched it since, and it, it can handle the situations. Any daisy, like your Shasta daisy, can be planted um, in regular garden soil, maybe even tough garden soil, because the area we have it is in between uh, where two pathways converge right in the crack there. And it's quite hard soil, quite dry, especially right now. And I'll tell you what, folks, that Montauk daisy has not batted an eye. So, because it's performed so well for so long at, our, at, the, at the nursery, we have decided, we've started propagating it, we've got a small crop coming on that should be ready for the spring, and so we're going to have that one available. But because this daisy blooms so late, I think it is worth to put in the landscape. I love Shasta daisy, I love the other daisies that, that bloom, uh, like Becky. Becky's another Shasta daisy. She blooms a long time, pretty much all summer, but she does slow down and stop by the time we get to end of summer. So maybe if you had your Shasta daisies and you interplanted with some Montauk daisies, you could have that classic white daisy border all year long. Of course, uh, not through the winter, but most of the year long, you could have that classic daisy uh, display. So Montauk daisy is, seems to be one of the toughest plants that we've ever trialed at the nursery, and it grows well, does not need our attention. I don't think we've fertilized it since we planted it, and it, year after year, it provides us with an outstanding show, and they're looking great right now. Uh, still blooming, still beautiful pearly white flowers. As a matter of fact, I think this year, I can recall, we got a crop of flowers in the late part of summer. Then we deadheaded, trimmed it back, and now we're getting even more blooms. So I think that even though Montauk Daisy waits a long time to bloom, I think that you will find I think you will find that that particular plant is going to be long-lived, has uh, no sign of disease problems, very tough, and it can handle 
what seems to be almost any situation as far as dry soil. Uh, I haven't really tried it in wet soil, uh, but most of our problem here in the South is dry soil. So Montauk daisy is another great daisy to add to the garden that's going to be blooming in the fall. So gang, today we've talked all about different fall blooming perennials. And I will remind you that perennials are those special plants that we put in the landscape that we expect to come back year after year, for several years at least. Most of these fall blooming perennials, in my experience, are very long lived. Whether you're growing the Japanese anemone uh, daisies like the Montauk daisy, already we're getting maybe four years out of it with no problems, no sign of it going down. Uh, the, the mums, the garden mums, as long as you keep them uh, well fed because they do like to bloom they seem to be very long-lived plants in the landscape there's something about the fall blooming perennials that seem to they have a more robustness robustness about them they seem to be things that are really going to thrive and live for a long time some of the spring perennials we sort of have a hit or miss deal with we may get two maybe three years out of them uh, and then they start to decline but many of these need a little bit of maintenance and upkeep and like I've already mentioned just to remind you if you're growing fall blooming perennials all they're going to be doing in the spring and summer is growing leaves they're going to be growing stems and you'll find that their heights might get kind of large by the time we get to June and July but don't feel bad about chopping them in half if you have to because as long as you have about six weeks before they bloom before the fall time you can chop them dramatically they will regrow with more stems more leaves and more flower buds trimming these fall perennials tipping them out uh, pinching off the tips is always a great idea you'll increase your show and that also gives them a bit more stability then of course the other thing is when they're done blooming I don't see any problem. They're not going to rebloom because by the time they're done blooming in the fall, we're pushing our way into winter. So I don't see any reason to deadhead them. Let those seed pods hang out. Let the mums, let the... Um, uh, Coneflower. We've still got coneflower going. Let those dry seed pods hang out all winter long. The goldenrod, did I already say goldenrod? Let the goldenrod, because over winter, those dry seed pods are going to collect dew, and the dew is going to freeze. And if you get up close, if you take pictures of your garden and you get up close um, on these dry seed pods, with a frozen dew, you've got this nice frost. And if the morning sun hits it just right, you've got a great a photograph of a different season of gardening. Remember, when we're gardening, we want to embrace all the seasons. And in the winter, yes, it's true, things look dead. Things have maybe, quote-unquote, died or gone dormant. Leaves are dry. Stems are dry. Seed pods are dry. I think that we can embrace that. If we want to call it decay, we can, but it's a beautiful decay. As we go into this fall, transitioning into winter time, when things start drying back, you have different shades of brown, different shades of tan, different shades of beige, maybe even different shades of dark blacks and whatnot. And those things, if allowed to hang out over winter without being deadheaded, you can really enjoy that beautiful decay. So when it comes, when it comes to fall flowering perennials, give it a go. Eden Rose says, give it a go because that is what it's about. Trying to expand and extend our growing season is one of the most um, uh, important things we need to be doing. You know, we can always plant annuals like pansies and violas and snapdragons and cabbages and kales over winter and fall. 
But I think if we embrace some of these perennials, we won't have to replace them. They'll come back year after year. They'll be blooming for us when relatively nothing else is. And they even lead us to have a beautiful decay, a beautiful uh, demonstration of winter look in the garden. So thanks for joining us today on New Southern Garden here on WRWH. Uh, For New Southern Garden, I'm Nathan Wilson, hoping you stay well and grow well, and we'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.